The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I'd like to open it up for questions again, or reports, just simple reports around what you've been noticing. And uh, there's one of the microphones. just uh, wanted to say that with this lighter touch approach that uh, my concentration during meditation has been better actually than, mm -hmm. than it has been regularly uh, with a more effortful kind of emphasis on not thinking. Yes, yes. Um, I find the same and I think uh, it's partly because really concentration is about letting go. That's what, uh, that's what cultivates concentration. Well, actually, there's, there's a couple. The, the, the proximate cause for concentration is said to be happiness. And so the relaxation supports that. And the, the letting go also, it's, it's, a, it's a huge support for concentration. The kind of forcing into that we typically do when we think of concentrating actually runs counter to the state that we're working towards, so... I think there was a... There's a quote on uh, this Utajaniya uh, sheet that you passed out. It says... Uh, I can't find it. Something about... Oh, don't feel disturbed by the thinking mind. You're not practicing to prevent thinking, mm -hmm. but rather to recognize and acknowledge thinking whenever it arises. <laughs> and Sue. You have just mentioned that about the uh, internal quality, exploration of the internal quality it's the same as what we do now for ease and uh, that kind of uh, approach, like a task approach like that task. You mean like the householder retreat tasks that we've been doing? Yes, what, what we have done this way, how can we get into exploration of the internal qualities such as um, you, you mentioned the fear. Ah, yes, okay. So, so the question is, um, it's about something I mentioned in the, um, the meeting with the householder group where I, uh, I said that during our daily lives we can take an interest in a particular quality of mind as something to explore in our daily lives. And um, so this is, this, is a, this is about moving more into the practice of daily life as opposed to the practice of sitting that we've been doing uh, today. 
And to fill the rest of you in who don't know what this task thing means for the householder practice, um, what I suggest for people when they attend the householder retreat is that early in the week they pick something that happens in their lives regularly through their day to choose to remember to, to be mindful of so that it, uh, it prompts the noticing that we've forgotten to pay attention. Actually, that's how the, the exploration begins. That uh, suppose you pick something like walking through doorways, you, you may notice at the end of a day that you've forgotten to remember walking through doorways at all during the day. So uh, that moment of remembering is the moment when is mindfulness has re-arisen and to just rededicate yourself to waking up for what you've chosen. And in a similar way, while in the householder retreat, I have suggested a physical task during the day to uh, wake up for some action of body. I just proposed to the group that they could also pick something that is arising in their mind that they're interested in exploring. So if there's anything you're interested in exploring in your daily life, some pattern of reactivity or a a particular emotion that is having that you're having some difficulty with, you can resolve for yourself to wake up for that particular state of mind and explore it when it happens. And so I'll give an example of this from my own practice. Um, When I did this the first time, and this was really early in my practice because... I didn't sit when I first started. I I did this daily life practice and I picked anger as the thing I wanted to pay attention to because anger was really getting in the way of my life. It was making me non-functional for chunks of the time. So I really had a strong incentive to understand the anger, to to try to... uh, I mean, I had read this book. I had not really started my Buddhist practice yet, but I'd read this book that had suggested that if I paid attention to anger instead of um, thinking the thoughts around it, if I just brought mindfulness to the anger, then it would support a letting go of that anger. So that sounded kind of strange to me that that would work, but I thought, well, I'll give it a try. (laughs) So... um, I just resolved that I would pay attention whenever anger arose. For that particular choice, what I discovered was that I usually remembered about the anger at some point in the process of anger. And early on in the process, it was at the point where I was in a state of rage. Because anger tends to feed anger if it's not noticed. If you're not aware or mindful of anger, it tends to just spiral out of control. So at some point in the process of being angry, I would remember, oh right, I said I was going to pay attention to this. And then I would just turn my attention to what was happening. And, you know, I didn't have much in the way of instruction in mindfulness meditation at that point. So it was really just, what do I notice about this? Boy, this doesn't feel very good. 
So it's just that obvious sense of this anger doesn't feel very good. Just noticing that. And after a while, it's like, well, what do I do with this? You know, I hadn't had any instructions at that point about paying attention in my body or you know, noticing what it felt like or letting go of thoughts. I just, I didn't, I was mysterious to me what it meant to pay attention to anger. But I knew that I was angry. It was clear that I knew I was angry while I was angry. And I knew that it was unpleasant. I knew that I was suffering. And at some point in that process, I'd be like, well, I don't know what I do. I guess I go back to work. It's often this seemed to happen when I was at work. So um, I just would go back to work. and So there was a little bit of space that happened because before I noticed the anger, often I was kind of frozen at my keyboard, you know, not working because I was just in my mind angry. And having noticed the anger, noticed the uh, feeling of the unpleasantness, uh, and then like, well, what do I do with this? Oh, I guess I go back to work. I could start working again. So in retrospect, I could see that it added a little space because I was no longer frozen in the anger. And over the course of a couple of months of this process of just recognizing anger, of resolving to continue to wake up for anger and pay attention whenever it happened, I began noticing that I woke up earlier in the process of the anger arising. So I wasn't quite so angry when it happened. And again, just I didn't have a lot of training in bringing mindfulness to my experience at that point. It was a really basic recognition. I'm angry. Just very basic, very straightforward. Not very detailed. I didn't know much about detailed mindfulness. So just noticing, okay, yep, I'm angry. But I did start to notice that the remembering was breaking into the anger before it got out of control. So I was noticing that there was some space developing over time. And then at one point, um, you know, it just kept going. It kept like backing up to the place where I would, I would just be kind of just a little bit angry, not like full-blown anger or rage. So I, I really was seeing a lot more ease around the state of mind. And then one day I was in my apple, in my, in my, in my kitchen cutting an apple. <laughs> I was in that apple. <laughs> No, it's not an apple computer. <laughs> this was an, a real apple I was cutting. <laughs> I was cutting the apple. And I saw a thought appear in my mind about the person I was angry with. And I saw that I wasn't angry at that moment. And I saw, and all of this that I saw happened in a pretty quick time. And I saw that... Uh, a kind of a strong urge to jump on that thought and think more thoughts in order to get angry. And I knew, based on the previous several months of paying attention, that that way lies anger, that way lies suffering, that way lies pain because I had really gotten to know anger equals suffering in my exploration of it 
And in that instant, when I saw that inclination to get angry, the mind knew where it was going, and it just said, I don't think so. I'm not going there. And the mind itself let go of that inclination. And I didn't get angry. Um, And I stood there in the kitchen waiting to get angry because I hadn't had the experience of the person arising in my mind and the uh, anger not arising in my mind. But the anger did not arise. And I was, at that point, I think what happened was that I was kind of blown away and the uh, kind of overwhelming gratitude for the practice took away any possibility for the anger to arise. So in this case that I describe, I really just resolved to keep waking up for a state of mind that was problematic for me. I watched how it changed as I could be aware of it. I noticed that I wasn't quite as caught by it over time. And I didn't have a lot in the way of, you know, skills in terms of, okay, investigate the body, where does it feel in the body. I just pretty much knew anger and unpleasant. It was pretty clearly unpleasant. Um, But, you know, it was very basic kind of mindfulness. So it doesn't have to be in an exploration like this. It doesn't have to be like, oh, okay, irritation is arising. Stop everything and try to like figure it out. Just like noticing irritation, what's happening in that irritation. Very simply, very light, much, much in the way we're talking about today. And that process of just recognizing those emotions over time can transform them. This example that I describe happened in the first few months of my practice. And uh, it was transformative for me to see that this practice can you know, reveal the starting point, the seed for uh, something like that, something that was just so powerful and overwhelming to arise. And just poof, let it go, it's gone. Now, I'm not saying that anger didn't arise again for me around this person, but uh, I really knew very clearly from that experience that this practice of paying attention is, is helpful. So there was a, st- a strong incentive to continue, continue doing this. So hopefully that helps some. Yeah. Okay. So just, just like our practice, uh, household practice, just easy. Yes. Just recognize. Yes, recognize. It. it doesn't have to go back a body like a rain method. You don't have to do that, no. (laughs) So great. Okay, it's easier. (laughs) (laughs) It's not necessary. That can be helpful at times. You know, if you really find yourself caught, I mean, now when I work with things, I do kind of reflect and, you know, I have much more a sense of my body now. So I have much more a sense of what's happening for me. Um, But... I had very little in the way of training and 
you know, this is how I know mindfulness is so powerful. It's like, you know, just this little idea of, okay, pay attention, don't, don't react, see if you can let go of thoughts. That's all I knew. It was incredibly powerful, just that simple recognition. Over here. So I just uh, finished listening to some of Gil's talks on concentration practice. And I guess I'm having some trouble reconciling when do you do that practice as opposed to this practice. He mentions um, a method whereby you count your breaths one through ten. If you go over, you know, you've lost your concentration. This practice seems um, kind of at odds, I guess. Um, Well, it's a different practice. Um, It doesn't have to be at odds. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my own, I have two practices that I'm doing right now. One is this practice and one is concentration practice. And, you know, choosing when to do one or the other is really a personal thing. Um, it depends on what, what capacities you're interested in cultivating in your mind. It depends on perhaps what you sense will support your, um, your deepening of practice in a particular, at a particular time. It may uh, be a suggestion of a teacher to, it seems like it would be helpful for you to stabilize and cultivate that steadiness for a while to get more familiar with what it means to just stay here. So it, it, it varies per person. And some people, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, there's a whole range of minds And some minds have a proclivity more towards concentration where it's easier for them to stabilize and rest. It's like it's an easier practice for for some minds to settle into concentration and just stay with the same thing and let everything else go. Just keep coming back over and over again. That that seems to be very... uh, It's an easier practice than this open awareness where... You know, we're just relaxing into what's happening. Some minds kind of get scattered in that practice. So some minds have a, a lot of trouble staying focused on any one thing, and it feels really stressful to them to do that. So for them, this open practice may be a, a better entryway into the, the um, mindfulness practice. It's very mind-dependent, <laughs> which one uh, you might want to do, which one might be more skillful for you to do at a particular time. Um, I find them, the fact that the, the two practices, they actually support each other for me because the concentration, at least for me, develops most easily when the mind is relaxed and not trying to do too much. And the way my mind knows not to do is to be in this open space of just things arising in the moment. So um, that's where I begin my concentration practice. I start by just settling back, receiving experience, noticing what's happening. At some point... In that process, there's usually a breath. A breath appears somewhere in my experience. And 
When that happens, I try to incline the attention to meet that so that I stay with that very relaxed awareness and yet can focus on something in particular. And I often find when I do that that the mind contracts a little bit, tightens around that breath. And then when I notice that tightening, I let go again and keep inclining back towards that relaxation so that uh, I use them both. When I'm trying to move into concentration, I use this open awareness to relax the mind to a place where it can receive the breath and relax into it. And it's like it has to be trained. You know, it's like, it's like if I try to just go to the breath, the mind doesn't quite know how to do that in a relaxed way. It has to keep remembering, oh yeah, this is what it feels like to pay attention in a relaxed way, and then moving back. So some people may find it easier to relax into concentration and then have to learn how to open into the awareness practice, to let go of that, that focus, that kind of peaceful place, to open into more and more experience. So it really varies. But they can, they can blend together. So does that, does that help at all? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Richard. And this will be the last one. I want to have some time for some compassion practice to end the day. Uh, Andrea, I just wanted to know if uh, you had, uh, would be planning on teaching uh, uh, concentration uh, practices. I'm going to be teaching a day long on concentration. Um, can't remember when it is. <laughs> Sometime next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, I asked, I'm going to be gone for a chunk of time in uh, November, December, January. And I asked Richard Shankman to come and teach about samadhi. So he's going to do a, a class on samadhi in, I think it's at the end of October through uh, November. It's four weeks. So, so that'll be Thursday nights. That uh, And his style of concentration, I think, is very akin to what I, I also practice. So there's some differences, but, but I can suggest that for, for you. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to end the day with uh, a period of compassion practice as we began the day with. So I think most of you were here at the beginning of the day, but for those of you who might have missed the announcement, one of our Sangha members, Rainbow, is um, extremely ill. Um, the doctors think that she may die pretty much any time, maybe today or tomorrow. And um, it was a sudden kind of shift for her. She's been working with an illness, but uh, this was a surprise to all of us that she got so ill so quickly. So I went to visit her at lunchtime, and she is non-responsive, on a ventilator. She is... um, um, They say an altered state is what her state of mind is. 
So when I went, I spoke to her and told her that we had all practiced with her this morning and um, told her that her brother was coming. So um, I'd like to close the day with some more compassion for Rainbow. So for those of you who know Rainbow, you might get an image of her in your heart, in your mind. For those of you who don't know Rainbow, just use her name. So bringing her into your heart and seeing if you can open your heart to the suffering of her experience. And possibly holding open the possibility that in her altered state she is actually very peaceful. We don't know what her state of mind is. Connecting to Rainbow, wishing her for for her to be at ease, for her to be free from suffering. Rainbow, may you be at ease with your suffering. May you be free from your suffering. Continuing to just be with whatever your experience is as you engage in this work to open your heart to the suffering of a dear Sangha friend. Whatever you're experiencing is okay. whether there's a feeling of pain in the heart or lightness in the heart, contraction or openness, or perhaps numbness of not knowing. Whatever it is is okay. May you be free from your suffering. May you be free from your illness. And then 
expanding out to open the compassion to her family, her brother and sister-in-law. Acknowledging and recognizing their pain. May you be free from your suffering. May you be at ease with your suffering. And allowing this opening of the heart, whatever you feel in the heart, to acknowledge and connect with whatever suffering is happening in the world. Suffering, small and large. The suffering of war in Iraq and Afghanistan. The suffering of starvation and illness and disease. The suffering of old age. The suffering of confusion. If you need to at any time in this process, move in to just taking care of yourself. That's fine too. As we expand out to do compassion for all beings, we ourselves are included whatever suffering you're experiencing in your own life, may you be free from that suffering. May you be at ease with that suffering. And allowing the heart to embrace both sides of the equation, suffering and joy. The poignancy of that equation. And embrace the possibility that for Rainbow, in particular, (coughs) that her mind may well already be peaceful with her state. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be free from illness. 
May all beings be free from fear and danger. May all beings have ease and peace in their lives. May all beings be free from suffering. So thank you for your participation in this day of awareness practice.